With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Maybe Skype quit on trying to call Drew. Let's try this again. Hey, hello, hello. Oh, never mind. There we go. How are you, stranger? Good. Battling internet gremlins, but I think I defeated them. As always. How's Game of Thrones, Travis? Pretty good. The, the It's been two massive table-setting episodes, but it's going to go... It's up here in the next episode for sure. I'm waiting for him to write the book. <laughs> you and everybody else. I just can't wait for the episode where Jack Sparrow marries Khaleesi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you read the books, it makes sense. Taking a deep shot. There's Moore. Wide open. Had to wait on it. But gets away. And he's in the end zone. Touchdown. Looking long in the corner again. He's got it. Touchdown. Here's Fuller. He's in. Touchdown. They get it to him. More in space. A burst of speed. A first down for Purdue. He's still going. Moore cuts back. Touchdown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hammer and Rails football podcast. Yes, we are actually doing one of these podcast things pretty soon after we just did our last basketball one. And... This one hopefully will not be as depressing and as woulda, coulda, shoulda, as we will be talking about spring football. We realize we're a little bit late here with this, but we do have two of our regular contributors on here with me. I, of course, am Travis Miller of HammerandRails.com, and 
Joining us from Manhattan, Kansas, we have the legend of Sean McCarthy, Drew Schneider. How are you tonight, Drew? Full of uh, Easter dinner and uh, gummy worms. <laughs> and of course, manning the ones and twos out in beautiful Southern California, we have Juan Crespo. Dr. Juan Crespo, excuse me. Yes, damn straight. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I can't cure you, but I will correct you. <laughs> and speaking of corrections, I should note that technically our football podcast is called Hammerin' Ales, if we've forgotten about that since our last podcast back in November. I think so, yes. So it is the return. I, would this be, then be episode one of season two of the Hammerin' Ales podcast? I don't know. I'm not keeping track of seasons yet. I'll, <laughs> I'll figure that out later. <laughs> Well, we ended on such a cliffhanger last. Right. It was. I, th- I think our last football podcast was when Louisville fired Petrino, and like Louisville immediately said they were going to go after Brom. So, what happened with that, by the way? Um, well, it's amazing they got Brom from Tennessee. It was so shocking. <laughs> wow. I mean, Dockage was right saying that Brom would end up in Louisville. It just turned out he meant. NCAA Sweet 16 game for Purdue. Uh, it, it was funny because this weekend I was down there for uh, uh, Miami baseball was playing at Louisville. I'm sorry. And I was proudly walking around with a Purdue sweatshirt, and I really wanted to ask how they were uh, looking at Jeff Brom's incoming season. And they also had, uh, for some reason, the souvenir cups that they were selling at the baseball stadium were the 100th anniversary of their football season of their football program this past season. And so we ended up with one of those, and I'm like, ah, oh, well, uh, seems like a suck for Brom really didn't work out very well for him, did it? So anyway, we're going to be talking about uh, spring football, and uh, I first, uh, I know that Drew kind of has a better idea of what we're looking for in terms of who's coming in and who was expected to fill some roles and stuff. So go ahead and kind of go with your impressions, Drew, just from being away. And then I'll talk about actually being at the game and what I saw there. Yeah, you know, the spring game this year wasn't that indicative of what the actual team is going to look like, uh, even with Sindelar being out and uh, Sight being out. You had uh, Plummer and Pifieri and O'Connell all playing quarterback. And then uh, the running backs, uh, Tario wasn't there. Uh, Richie Worship's not back yet, so you didn't really see who we had at running back. As far as new guys coming in, Karloftis played well. I think he's going to be a big part of the next year's team. You know, he'll probably start from day one and uh, give Purdue maybe some pass rush. He looked good in the spring game, but he's going against Purdue's tackles, so that could also be helpful. I'm not even sure who they were at that point. Was it Hermans and McCann, or did did Hermans and McCann sit out? They played the. I think they played in like the first series, maybe. And then they're still coming back off their knee injuries, so I think they uh, didn't play much. That that is one of the things that stood out is Karlaftis was definitely definitely disruptive, and you know hopefully that'll carry over because we just didn't have anything remotely close to that last year. And like like you said, it was going against pretty much Purdue's second string offensive line, which. We don't even know what the first string offensive line is going to be at this point. Right. But, uh, but uh, it was nice to see that he was out there. He was causing trouble. I think he had one sack, but I know he got into the backfield an awful, awful lot. Yeah, and also, you know, a guy like Jalen Graham out there obviously looks like he belongs on the field, at least in his jersey. He's a big dude, probably the biggest guy we've had play safety for a while with his sort of athleticism. 
So uh, I think Graham has a good chance of, if not starting, seeing the field a lot in like a nickel package or something. He's definitely a guy that has the you know potential to start. And uh, the scoring on this one was a little bit weird too because it was offense versus defense, and so you had the defense would get points basically if they got a stop, if they got a three and out, if they were able to force a turnover, and obviously if there was a defensive score or something. But the defense did get a couple of defensive scores. The offense scored on each of its first two drives, got a field goal and a touchdown, and but the defense then just reeled off 35 straight points because the offense really struggled to have any sort of consistency from there. And I know that, that was the two primary quarterbacks were Plummer and surprisingly walk on Aiden O'Connell, both of them threw some uh, pretty good balls, but the receivers were just having a big, a lot of trouble holding on to some of those passes too. There were a lot of drops I noticed. Playing with a bunch of different quarterbacks doesn't help. I mean, also the receivers that you saw in the spring game, it's going to be a lot different depth chart uh, probably at the start of the season because you have all the freshmen coming in looking to take over some jobs. You know, Anthrop played well. He's going to have to try to figure out a way to get on the field. I know they're moving him a little bit to the outside, seeing if he could play on the outside because obviously Rondell's got the uh, slot uh, nailed down. Sparks had a good game. I thought he, uh, you know, he'll be playing all year. He'll, I think his, uh, his snaps will probably be down. You'll probably see some other guys uh, at his position and him not playing quite as much, but he'll probably start. And then a guy like Jordan Bonner, who nobody's really been talking about, I thought, uh, you know, played well, caught some passes. And he's another guy that, you know, a uh, three-star guy from last year that redshirted that uh, certainly has some potential. Um, we get all caught up in the new guys, but there's some uh, other guys coming in uh, that haven't seen the field yet that have some uh, talent as well. Another one that I liked seeing was Xander Horvath lined up as the primary running back. And even with Tario and uh, Richie coming in, coming back from injury and hopefully getting fully healthy for the year, there's just something about seeing a six foot three, 230 pound dude wearing number 40 lined up in the backfield. that makes every Purdue fan smile. And he, he played really well and he's, he's going to find a role again. You know, he was pretty impressive at, in earning some playing time last year as a walk on and now I think he really could uh, have some drives where he's the featured back and just absolutely punishes people, too. Yeah, no, he looked good, and uh, Armour looked good as well. They're, you know, both of those two guys are, are former walk-ons. I'm not sure if Armour is still a walk-on or not, uh, or if he, they awarded him a scholarship. But those are two. We've got two big dudes that, uh, in the backfield that are, uh, you know, can tote the rock. I think the coaching staff has been really talking up uh, Alfred Armour. Um, is you know potentially playing a role or at least having some talent. He had a 600-pound squad, a lot like Rondale too, and kind of went viral there for a day or two. I think that was back in February. Yeah, no, he's a stout, stout running back. Um, Brom's done pretty well about finding some uh, good, a couple of good walk-ons. Even though I know like Horvath, I think probably came in during the uh, Hazel era. I Man, I tell you what, this spring game. We're going to need a lot from the guys coming back and the guys uh, and the new guys coming in because that's, this team has some giant holes uh, to fill, probably more so than even the first or second season. It's really even hard to see what this Purdue team is going to look like. Uh, what you saw in the spring game is not anything close to you know the lineup or even what the team is going to look like by 
probably the end of fall camp. So spring game asked, you know, there was a ton of questions going in. I'm not sure that any of them really got answered. Uh, I, I agree with you. And, oh, we do have to give a shout out to Juan here because Horvath is from Mishawaka Marion High School and the alma mater of Dr. Juan, Juan Crespo, of course. Woo! <laughs> you want to sing the fight song, Juan? It was to the tune of Ohio State's fight song. And as a Michigan grad, I am not allowed to sing that anymore. He says that he rushed for 3,373 yards to 50 touchdowns during his career and broke every rushing and scoring record in Marion High School history. So right. sorry you don't own those anymore, Juan. Oh, yeah, you know, because I was just tearing up the football field at Marion. I, I say I don't know Marion's history too much, other than they had a few state championships in the 80s and 70s. But honestly, I'm pretty sure that those are just all made up, that every high school has at least like one championship from the 70s or 80s i'm just assuming in 1990 they did a lottery and been like okay marion you get a championship from 1985 uh pen you get one in 1975 kokomo you get one here too you know it's all made up <laughs> but anyway as uh as drew mentioned there were a lot of holes and i think the biggest question is obviously on the offensive line where we've got two tackles uh with mccann and herman's and yeah, we got two tackles and everything else is up in the air. Um, I know Victor Beach uh, is expected to be the center, but you still could have some. There's definitely going to be a learning curve there after losing Barron, another Marion High School graduate. So, you know, just turning him out up there. <laughs> Marion sucked when I was there. So I don't know where all these players are coming from now. Barron was a three-year starter and was a reserve behind, oh, why can't I think of his name right now, Kugler, for a year or two. And it's going to be very interesting to see who plugs in in those guard spots. Who do you see taking those roles over, Drew? Man, I don't know. It's a, it, like, it makes me a little nervous because you figure that uh, one of the Braum recruits should be, or offensive line recruits should be ready to go and play after uh you know having three recruiting classes but we've yet to see a jeff brom offensive lineman on the field um you know we're just going to plug in keep plugging in guys at the guard positions until we see somebody that fits uh, what we're trying to do um i think the coaching staff recruits a lot of positionless offensive linemen where they can play either tackle or guard um so you're just going to see a bunch of guys uh plugged in there um, I don't know that the coaching staff really even knows uh, what it's yeah. going to look like. I think it's interesting that they moved Alex Criddle, former defensive tackle there, and even though he's a senior, moved him over and him possibly playing at offensive guard. It just kind of raises some red flags for me when, like you said, we've recruited and should have a couple of guys ready to go. Uh, either coming out of redshirt or as redshirt sophomores, and they're not able to fill those roles, and we're having to move over a guy that hasn't even played offensive line in three years. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, Criddle moved over partly because, uh, also partly be, uh, because we need offensive line, and partly because I'm not sure he was on the defensive tackle depth chart, so may as well move him over and see if he can uh, make some plays on uh, offense because – yeah, it's a free-for-all over there. It's really going to be fall camp is going to decide who's going to play both guard positions, if that player is even on the roster right now, because it would not be surprising to see 
after uh, you know the spring, there's usually a few more graduate transfers. It would not be surprising to see Brom pick up uh, another grad transfer on the offensive line if he doesn't think he has two other players ready to go. Yeah, and uh, on the other side, I think the defense, I think it's going to be a lot better, and I'm really excited to see what the defensive line is going to be look like, especially once some guys like Fashow get in that can provide some depth depth and again Carl Laftis off the edge he just he was a grown-ass man and he's going to be a difference maker like you said from day one and it's it's going to be nice to have that depth up front and also some depth at linebacker too once we get Ben Holt in and everything else and I do think both corners and Mackie and oh shoot who's the other guy uh major yeah Mackie and major I think they're going to be pretty solid with another year of experience too no i mean we look pretty good at corner uh elijah ball a big safety uh from indianapolis you know he's sort of playing that nickel safety uh strong uh, little strong safety he was recruited as a sort of defensive back hybrid um you know he looks pretty good you know we're getting some more size on the field on defense but like the offensive line is going to really sort of been scraped together for the first two years uh, with transfers and grad transfers and then McCann and Hermans and all the grad transfers are gone and the transfers are gone. So it's really going to come down to that. This whole season is probably going to be decided is, is if Purdue can figure out what to do in the middle of the offensive line. No, I've, I've got to trust that somebody's going to emerge just because there's so many bodies there. Somebody's got to be able to go in there and be able to play and there's guys that have been working for two or three years now trying to get to the field. Somebody's going to have to emerge out of there. I don't know who it is. Um, I know that they mentioned one of the earlier enrollees uh, was an offensive lineman Holstage. Um, he is a possibility as well. He looks pretty good as a, as a guard, which is really strange and rare as a true freshman. But if he's the best guy, then he's the best guy. And if he can play, let's, let's have him play. Yeah, no, that's the um, some decisions they're going to have to make, you know, in the middle of that line with Coach Williams and Coach uh, Brom, because like I said, that's just been a place we haven't really been able to bring anybody in, even the grad transfer we bring in didn't really, or the uh, JUCO guys bring in didn't really ever see the field. It's uh, mostly been, uh, and then Hermans and McCann are both injury prone. Hermans, you know, hasn't made it through a healthy uh, season as a starter yet. And McCann got hurt in the bowl game, and he's been ha- he's had trouble with his shoulders all through his career. So it's really a patched up uh, patched up thing going on there. You know, blocking for a patched up quarterback with a questionable knee. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And I know that that was one of the biggest biggest points of news out of camp was that, or spring ball was that Sindelar tweaked the knee just a little bit, but it seems like it was, he was sitting on the bench mostly as an overabundance of caution. And now we do have the luxury of, we have him for two more years. He did get approved for that sixth year. So that could be good. But I also think it, 
is going to be interesting on the quarterback situation because you're going to see somebody like a, a Sipe or Plummer or somebody. Obviously, not everybody can play at that position. So we've got unproven depth there now with some talent, but you might start to see some attrition basically due to transfers because guys don't want to play and they can't play. Uh, yeah, you know, the, Eli getting a six-year, I mean, isn't particularly – we won't know if he's going to use it. That's not, it's not a given that he uses that year. In fact, I would, I'm going to guess that it would probably be more likely that he doesn't use that six-year, or at least at Purdue. I just don't see a situation where he plays well enough to keep the job, but not well enough to go to the NFL – He's, got, he's already old. He's already has, I mean, old for college football standards. He's already had two major reconstructive knee surgeries. Um, this is the year for Sindelar. Uh, he needs to put that on the line. And if he uh, if he can't, you know, put together big numbers in the, the Brom offense, um, it'll be interesting to see what would happen in the offseason. But the sixth year does give him a grad transfer option year as well. And, uh, you know, I think Brom's going to obviously play the best quarterback. So hoping that Eli uh, comes back uh, with both of his legs under him this year. It would have been nice to see a little bit more out of Sipe in the spring game. I know, I believe it was a back injury. His back was bothering him and he didn't play. But technically, he is the only quarterback other than Sindelar with game experience. I mean, yes, it was garbage time in three games, but it's still some experience. And. I don't think you would totally give up on him yet, but I know in a lot of people's minds, Plummer has already passed him too. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, you know, it could be true, but I think everybody just sort of likes the next guy. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, the freshman coming in this year, at some point people will be saying he's passed Plummer. And, you know, everybody likes the new player. So <laughs> I'm not necess- I don't necessarily think Scythe is out of the quarterback race. I think the coaches still like like what he can do. We'll see how that plays out. The good news is that Jeff Brom does. I don't, he hasn't had a bad quarterback season in the last five years. So I think he'll probably have something put together by the time the season starts. So I'm not really worried about the quarterback unless there's just no offensive line. In that case, we might need all four or five quarterbacks. It, it'll be also interesting to see kind of who fills in for Wright and Zicko on the outside. I know, like you said, Sparks. Sparks has a ton of potential, and I think he can fill in that role. And there's that David Bell guy that I don't know if you've heard of him, but he seems pretty good too. Yeah. No, I think I kind of like that David Bell guy. He's going to play a lot. All the new wide receivers, you know, have the potential to come in and make an impact. Bell on the outside is just a playmaker. He's great with the ball in his hands. Milton Wright coming in, he's another big, fast guy out of Louisville, another four-star receiver. That you know, physically, six three, two hundred pounds is a you know coming in as a freshman, um, you know, possibly even bigger than that. Now, these are guys that can physically get on the field. I mean, they may not know all the whole route tree at this point, but uh, you know, run down the field and get open may have to be some of our play calls because I think I think talent-wise, the new guys coming in are probably better than what we have on the roster right now in uh, as far as athletically. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tend to agree, and that I think we're going to have a lot of depth there, too. And that, that, to me, is the biggest thing of this highly touted recruiting class that Brahm is bringing in, is we finally have that depth, and you're going to have 
guys that probably are have more talent than what we've had, you know, maybe even in 10 years at some spots. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they battle with some of the guys that are a little bit more experienced. But I also think that that's another huge reason uh, why it was important to keep Brom because it's one thing to get one class, but now if we can keep him for a few years and get a couple more classes like that, that's where the program is really going to be built. You know, I kind of think that we're going to have, you know, maybe another six and six, seven and five ish season this year, just because, yeah, we've got all that talent, but it's going to be young talent, but it feels like it will be setting the stage for a pretty big breakout next year. Yeah, this is sort of the end. This is the last year of the Hazel like recruiting hangover. And I mean, a lot of that's the same reason why we're asking, you know, who's playing on the offensive line, who are going to be, who are the defensive tackles, who's, you know, what are we going to do at running back? Part of that is just sort of a lot of transfers in the in those classes that would be seniors this year. Out of from the Hazel Hazel class, especially on defense. So this is sort of that last year where he's really going to have to piece some things together because the pieces aren't easy to find right now. I guess he's going to have to find some players that can maybe surprise people. Well, here here's what's interesting. Um, my scholarship grid that I used to track, we have only 21 players that are juniors or seniors eligibility wise. One of those is Ben Holt, who is going to transfer in from Western Kentucky, so he's not played for us. So that's 20 guys that are quote-unquote still Hazel guys. Now, most of them are playing pretty large roles, except for like a Criddle or something like that, because you have Atario Fuller, you've got Bryson Hopkins, Marcus Bailey. You're starting to see, this is, like you said, where even the first first uh, recruiting class that Brom was able to piece together kind of with Hazel's leftovers, they're going to have to start stepping forward or they're going to get past them. Because even when you expand to those guys, there are only 13 players in that they're sophomore eligibility-wise. So of, the, of all the scholarship players I have us with, 78 scholarships t- spoken for right now, more than half of those guys are freshmen eligibility-wise. I've got 11 seniors eligibility-wise, 10 juniors, 13 sophomores. So that's 34 out of the 78. That's going to be a really young team, but if they put it together, it's going to be a really good team. It'll be good eventually. I don't know how good it's going to be next year. Uh, <laughs> I'm not superly optimistic about next football season quite yet. We're only going to have to see see what it looks like in the at the end of the fall or camp because right now, man, you know, just, I'm not I'm not seeing I'm not seeing it in some crucial spots. But I think the schedule is gonna gonna be a little bit easier too. I mean, yeah, you've got two major conference teams coming in with TCU and Vanderbilt, but I don't think that they're world beater programs. I mean, TCU played one of the just God awful ugliest bowl games you could possibly ask for. And Vanderbilt is uh, tragically still Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, TCU has talent. I think they had a lot of injuries last year. That was, that's going to be a tough game. And Vanderbilt, uh, you know, they play really good defense sometimes. I think they beat K-State last year. They're going to have a hard time scoring with Purdue if Purdue can actually block people. And this is going to be another year. The defense is going to be young. I think they're going to have more speed and talent on the field. 
but it's still going to come down to the offense scoring some points until the defense gets its legs. Uh, you know, the safety position sort of up in the air. And then and you think you know what linebacker looks like, but, you know, they have, they've had a couple of the linebackers out, uh, and Jones has moved down to that Leo position, uh, or Derek Barnes has moved down to the Leo position, so he's not playing quite that traditional linebacker spot anymore. So that'll be interesting. Defensive tackle, you've got to hope that uh, Neil comes back healthy. Otherwise, I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. So well, I, think, I think you got Neil and Watts there. And then you'll you'll have for show. I just love saying for show. And you and you've got a uh, Jeff Marks had some experience last year, so I, I think you'll have some depth. Yeah, but then you you know a couple of those guys played or played sparingly. And Neil tore his ACL in the Indiana game. Um, that's all. It's a big ask for him to be back healthy and in shape by the first game of the season. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Cause I mean, that's a lot of weight on that uh, surgically repaired knee early. And it, with a guy that hasn't always been in the best cardiovascular shape on the team. <laughs> that's kind. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't all be as uh, fit and cardiovascularly sound as, as you drew. I know that he needs to, he needs to start doing yoga every day. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> So are there are there any like real surprises before we uh, end this podcast here on spring football or no? Yeah, because it's starting to get a little weird. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we can only talk about so much, really. This is not the let's get weird sports podcast after all. Ah, uh, my bad, my bad. Uh, surprises? No, not particularly. Uh, there was just this surprise that there were so many injured players. Really, uh, most on the offense, especially anybody. You were thinking, even Bryson Hopkins was limited, so you didn't even get to see the the starting tight ends. Or you're down, you know, the tight end, both running back, two running backs, two quarterbacks. You know, Moore didn't play at all. I mean, where you could actually tackle him. Uh, so there was a lot of questions left unanswered in the spring. Um, that fall camp is going to be very extremely important for Purdue to work some stuff out and maybe see some of that new talent. Uh, how if the new talent could be athletic enough to pass some guys with more experience. Yeah, but I think with spring football, they're going to hold anybody out that's even remotely close to being injured, especially after a few years ago that poor DJ Knox tears his ACL in the damn spring game. Of course, Juan's been quiet here. I know he is our recruiting expert here and just is just really, really tied into recruiting. Yes, you know, totally am. And, you know, I watched every single second of the spring football. I can't keep this up. <laughs> well, you're I, I will just go on my rant and be like, and just, I apologize to any football players, but personally, it's just like, I, I don't see too much of a purpose with spring football games the way they're currently set up. Personally, I would enjoy them and probably watch them if they were set up as like scrimmages against other schools, similar to like, you know, what volleyball does. I remember going, I remember. My freshman year, I left in the first five minutes of the spring football game 2010 and went over to Holloway to watch the volleyball team because I think they're playing Indiana or something. And, you know, that's, that's more entertaining to watch. You get an idea of, you know, what the team will look like against other people. But that's just my rant. Yeah, and I can see it that way, too. I imagine some of it also might be liability concerns because if we're going to play like a Division two school or something, 
uh, you don't want them getting just crushed or anything. But, you know, we still play Indiana every year. I mean, we've only beaten Indiana by, like, one score the last two years. Let's not get ahead of ourselves now. <laughs> Come on. I got to – I gotta. we're feeling it. We got to – it's been so after losing four in a row to them, it's good to feel superior again because four in a row just was that was a dark, dark time. Well, yeah, they were just four of the 40 losses in that four years. <laughs> so, do you have any final thoughts, Drew? Um, no, recruiting's uh, you know, sort of off to the traditional slow start. It's gonna be a much smaller class, too. I know, yeah, uh, it's gonna be a smaller class. Purdue likes to sort of uh, slow play some of their recruiting, get the guys on campus, uh, make sure they're really, uh, they don't like too many, uh, decommits. So, but, uh, so far the offensive line recruiting is looking great. Uh, two pretty, uh, solid offensive linemen, uh, the number three player in Indiana, out of Zionsville, Gus Hartwig committed. He has a, and he's a, a center, uh, which could, you know, he's a guy that could potentially come in and play fairly soon, depending on how the center position works out uh jared bazinski out of uh cleveland uh purdue continues to rack up some pretty solid players out of the uh state of ohio has really become been a real uh go-to under brahm is uh going and pulling out the guys that aren't quite gonna go to ohio state and then uh getting those guys to come to purdue uh, Ohio's been a bit good. Uh, you also have the middle linebacker, Ben Cruel from uh, Wisconsin. So definitely casting a wide net around the Midwest. There's several four-star guys looking. It's all going to be looking. We're going to have to play well. We're going to uh, produce not at the point where recruits are going to be real excited about Purdue not playing well. We're going to continue to win, play an exciting brand of football. But I think this recruiting class probably won't be as good as last year's there's no real plug-in five-star player like carl loftus where we just had an innate advantage of him living like a block and a half from the stadium we'll probably end up in the 40s somewhere maybe low uh low 30s uh nationally probably in the mid middle of the big 10 but there's going to be some four-star guys out there i think that we can land maybe we'll talk about another podcast yeah uh, that's that's good and we'll we'll need some content to discuss over the summer the long summer of nothingness and everything else. So. Hey, Purdue baseball, go Boilermakers. Hey, well, no, baseball may be in the dumps, but we are still a golf school. Oh, there we go. And we have to give it up to Ida A.U. and Dara Milati Putri, who is your Big Ten women's champion individually as of today. Dang. So, golf school. Golf yeah. school. That's it. That's it. Concrete canoes. Do y'all still do that? Concrete canoes? What? Wait, wait, you guys haven't heard about the Concrete Canoe Engineering ca- uh, Contest? Oh, wait, 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 I'm Googling it right now, I'm not crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's real. If it has a Wikipedia page, the American Society of Civil Engineers, that's how I know about it, has a, uh, anyways. Unfortunately, it's not cut, a varsity sport. Cut, cut. Look at look at uh, Drew thinking he's a podcast producer now. Yeah, I know. He joins us for one podcast and we're dying. We're dying. This is bad radio. Sorry, people. I don't place people are even listening at this point. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. We should really start having giveaways like yeah. somewhere at the end of the podcast just to keep people listening. But like make it like a really short like five second blip. Yeah, just, like so if I'm like if you're listening now. Uh, send a, tech, a tweet uh, and get some of my mismatched socks. Why not? There we go. 
Send the tweet. For the next five callers, you will get the Men of Hammer and Rails calendar pictorial. Ooh. Very nice. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no one needs to see that. Look of, like, even I don't want to see that. Mm. <laughs> no. Just no. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this up. I have to go play basketball at 6.30 in the morning. All righty, so for Drew and Juan myself, uh, we thank you for listening. And, yeah, we're going to try to get a couple more of these podcasts out pretty soon, including the return of the Let's Get Weird podcast before too long. So thank you very much for listening, and boiler up. Boiler up.